Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Gornieri. Thanks so much for joining me today for this discussion about non-compete clauses. I definitely hear a lot of, I don't want to say angst. I want to say confusion, concern, trepidation from specifically nurse practitioners and new NPs when it comes to non-compete clauses. There's some advice that circulates that may not be the best advice out there. So what I'm going to do today is really break down for you what a non-compete clause is, as well as really what you should be considering in terms of deciding what is fair and what is okay to proceed with a non-compete clause. So let's dive right into it. You know, I have to give you my disclaimer. I'm not an attorney, right? This is an educational information episode geared towards nurse practitioners because you as NPs are going to most commonly or more commonly going to be seeing non-compete clauses in your contracts compared to nurses. This isn't as common. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it's not as common among RNs as it is among advanced practice providers. So before we go into breaking down what a non-compete clause is, I do want to remind you about what your employment agreement might look like. And I want to remind you that not all employers utilize multi-page legal contracts for employment. Some organizations, especially hospitals, tend to utilize the employee agreement letter, which might be a single page with your salary and your job duties, and all the other benefits might be defined by an employee handbook or other supplemental document. Okay. And in most states, if you're signing an employment agreement, you're likely under what's called at will employment, meaning that you can leave your job at any time without legal ramification. And conversely, you can be terminated or laid off at any time without cause. Now, when contracts are used, and just to be clear, neither of these is right or wrong. I've worked in multiple positions over my career, and I would say it's probably been split half and half between working for organizations that utilized an employment letter plus their employee handbook versus more private practices that used multi-page legal contracts. So it's good to understand the difference, and it's not necessarily a red flag one way or the other, okay? Now, when contracts are used, they are typically multi-page legal documents that outline a variety of terms of employment, including the length of contract, job duties, hours, benefits, term, and termination. Now, term and termination means how long the contract is in effect for and under what conditions the contract can be broken 
or, or terminated. So for example, the termination clause in a contract may explain that the employer could terminate the contract based on poor performance, reduction in force, or for no reason at all. But all of that should be outlined in the contract, including if you wanted to break the contract, for example, if if it's a one or two year contract and you wanted to leave before then, if you wanted to leave the job before then, the term and termination clause would outline the circumstances that would need to happen for you to do that, right? So it might be as simple as you need to give 30 or 60 days notice, or in more severe circumstances, there might be some sort of repayment situation. That's a red flag, by the way. If they want payment in exchange for you leaving before your contract, I I wouldn't recommend getting into that type of agreement. But all this to say that the term and termination outlines how long the contract is and under what circumstances the contract can be broken. Okay. Now, occasionally, in addition to the term and termination clause, there might be a non-compete clause, which is what we're talking about more today. And a non-compete clause is a section that states that the employee, i.e. you, will not work for a competing organization or start a competing practice within a certain radius, so a certain mile distance, for a certain amount of time after leaving the employer. Okay. So a non-compete clause says that the employee, you, will not work for a competing organization or start a competing practice within a certain radius for a certain amount of time after leaving the employer, so after termination of the contract. Now, non-compete clauses are typically in place to help discourage employees from leaving quickly or from leaving and taking patients with them. And this happens. This is common. It's common enough that these non-compete clauses exist. Okay, so if we're going to really dive into non-competes, I want to first say that non-compete clauses are not inherently bad, okay? You will hear recommendation from other people, other NPs or mentors, never sign a compete clause is what they may say. And, you know, I don't really like to use the term never or always. So I, I want to point out that non-compete clauses are not inherently bad, okay? They typically are in place to serve the best interest of the employer because like we said it's to prevent kind of lost revenue from people leaving very very quickly or a uh, lost clientele from people leaving and also taking patients with them and you know if you're a reasonable person you can understand why an employer would be concerned about that Hey friend, if you are getting ready to look for an NP job soon, I have something fun coming up that you won't want to miss. In May, I will be hosting a free NP job search Q&A on Zoom. It will be totally free. And at the end, I'll be sharing details on how you can join my signature program, Dream Job Roadmap for Nurse Practitioners. If you want to be first to hear about when this Q&A is open for registration, I want you to get on the notification list. And you can do that by heading to theresumerx.com slash DJR theresumerx.com slash DJR. There will be a little bar at the top of that page to collect your name and your email, and it will say, get on the notification list. Since this is a Zoom meeting and not a webinar, space will be limited. We'll be able to have our cameras on. So that's why I'm doing this 
kind of pre-notification list so that if you really want in, you can be one of the first to notify in case we fill up the spots early. So again, to get on the notification list, you can go to theresumerx.com slash DJR. And this is for my free NP job search Q&A that will be happening in May. I hope to see you there. So while they are in place to serve the best interests of the employer, that doesn't mean that you should never sign one. So let's kind of break down what's fair when it comes to a non-compete. I think that in terms of the the certain amount of time, because remember, we're talking about radius and certain amount of time. So if the certain amount of time is two years or less, I think that is a fair amount of time for an, an otherwise fair non-compete clause. And so really, you know, what you want to look into first is the radius and also what they say about the specialty or the area of practice. So the mile radius should really depend on the location that you're in. And a great example is Washington, D.C. And I heard Monica Carter talk about this. She teaches about NP compensation, and she's given this example before of Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. is a 10-mile radius, like the actual District of Columbia, just 10 miles, right? So if you are practicing in D.C. and you sign a non-compete clause that says, you know, whatever the other terms and the radius is more than 10 miles, you'd have to actually be licensed in other states in order to practice whenever you leave that position. And that's not fair. That really creates an incredible burden on you to uproot your license, uproot your your life potentially to find another position. Or another example, if you're in more of a rural area, if the radius that is provided means that you would have to move in order to find any other place to practice, that is really not fair to you as the employee. So those would be terms that I would recommend trying to negotiate. The other thing that non-compete clauses may or may not state is the type of practice setting. So let's say you're, you know, you get a job in a fairly narrow specialty. Let's use long-term care, for example. The non-compete clause might say that you cannot work at another long-term care facility within an X mile radius for X amount of years. And it's up to you to decide, okay, if, if I see myself leaving this job, am I comfortable with the fact that I'm either going to have to go outside of this radius or stay within the radius and look for a job in a different area of practice? And that's really up for you to decide and based on your competency and your NP specialty. Because let's say you are in a really narrow focus, like let's say you're a women's health nurse practitioner and you don't have any other certifications. And the non-compete clause says that you can't practice within that specialty. Well, that really eliminates a lot of opportunities for you and can be potentially over-restrictive, okay? So you wanna take all these things into account. Some red flags to look out for in non-compete clauses. Like I just mentioned, if the non-compete states that you cannot practice in the specialty that you are certified in, that has the potential to be overly restrictive depending on the radius, okay? Another thing that I really want to point out that I didn't think about much until we went through COVID is that this is a red flag if the non-compete says that it applies if there's a termination of the contract for any reason. If it says that, I highly encourage you to try to get that amended because that would mean that they could enforce it if they terminated your contract. So for example, if they fired you, if they laid you off because of 
staffing. Okay. I think about how many nurse practitioners were laid off during the pandemic. Spoiler, it was a lot because there was such a drop in non-essential surgeries, non-essential care. Plenty of people pushed out routine health maintenance because you know, for so long, we just weren't going anywhere, right? Before vaccines, we were, you know, really being ultra conservative with uh, the care that we were getting. And, and, and that resulted in a lot of practices saying, well, we, we don't have as many patients as we had before. So we need to lay off some staff. And a lot of those staff were nurse practitioners. So I think about a scenario like that. And if those NPs were under a non-compete clause that said, all these things were in place if there was termination for any reason. How fair is that? That, you know, it's not the NP's responsibility or issue that staffing didn't support their position. So why should there be any restriction on where they can go and work next, right? That just doesn't make sense to me. So I really encourage you to look for the definition of termination that this non-compete clause applies it you know it it makes sense that if you are going to leave if you're quitting or you know you're resigning for any reason you know it it is fair that there could be some restrictions on where you're going because of that risk of you taking patients with you but on the flip side if they're you know terminating you or laying you off those restrictions really shouldn't be enforced in in my opinion now there are some states where non-compete clauses are generally not enforceable for certain professions. And, you know, again, the disclaimer that I'm not an attorney, so you certainly want to check with someone who has official legal training. But the research that I did uh, basically had a list of where non-compete clauses are enforceable and where they're not. And some of them have some, I don't want to say wishy-washy terms, but like, for example, there are some states where it says that they're not enforceable for physicians, but I don't know if maybe that extends to providers as well. But from the research that I um, that I did, these are the states where non-compete clauses are generally not enforceable for certain professions, likely including nurse practitioners. So those states are Alabama, California, Colorado, Maryland, Montana, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and Oregon. And like I said, there are other states where physicians are exempt from non-compete clause enforcement. So you would want to kind of look into that and clarify that a little bit more. You know, depending on the state where you are working in, be sure to do your own research, speak with your own legal counsel should you need that type of advice. Because as always, this is for educational purposes. I don't provide medical, legal, or tax advice. I'm not qualified to do that. So I hope that this has been helpful. This is kind of a short and sweet episode, but I really think that this is all you really need to know to be properly prepared to understand a non-compete clause and to kind of have the foundations on which to start a negotiation if that's what's next. Because if you see terms that you don't like in terms of a non-compete in your contract, that doesn't mean that you need to run away. That just means that you need to open up a conversation and um, and try to get things changed that you don't think are fair to you. So I would love to hear, do you have any non-compete nightmare stories? Do you have any non-compete words of wisdom? If you have any either questions about non-competes or any advice or stories you'd like me to share with the rest of the community, I I welcome and would love to hear from you. So you can get in touch with me on Instagram. You can tag me at the Resume RX, or you can message me directly, 
Or you can always feel free to drop an email if that's more your thing. Stat at theresumerx.com. Again, thanks for listening. And uh, you'll hear from me again next week. Have a good one. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.